All right, you're very welcome along. It's Championship Weekend. It is the snap. It's our weekly American football show here on Off the Ball. If you're listening to us on OTV Sports Radio, we'll get back to that Cora Staunton interview a little bit later on for you. Kian Fahey is on the phone for us this week. Kian, good afternoon to you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I know this is a football show, but has everyone been following this baseball story? Because I think it's the greatest story ever. Well, maybe we'll get to the baseball and the uh, cheating. You can explain what stealing signs actually and how it works for us in, in a minute. But um, I'm delighted to welcome Steve O'Rourke to the show for the first time. Steve, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. I think everybody can just about see that you're uh, not, I mean, you are a Raiders fan, but you're also a Rathcool fan. What's with the Rathcool Raiders? Well, I live in Rathcool, so I thought I'd represent like, both the hometown and the, the team. Very good. Uh, you're here as a football coach, not just a fan. I was like, oh, this guy's a super fan, but actually you're a football coach. Yeah, I'm an uh, offensive coordinator with the West Dublin Rhinos in the Irish American Football League. So this is my first year coaching this team, but I've been coached in Ireland for 10 years. So. Right, yeah. and over that 10-year period, it's obviously exploded a bit, has it? It has, yeah. It's grown from when I started, maybe eight teams taking it seriously, to over 20 teams now across three like levels as well. Right, and how many people have shown up for you every week? We get 40 on a really good training session, but we have 50 registered players as well. So if they all turned up, it'd be really good. <laughs> so turn up, please. Um, and are there some who are like, oh, you're going to be on special teams for us this week? Uh, there's a lot of people who are kind of, everyone wants to be a wide receiver uh, because they feel like they don't want to tackle anyone, which is strange when you come from a country where everyone plays rugby. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, no, like there's... 90% of people who come up want to be a wide receiver. And does everybody else want to be a, qu- a quarterback then? No, because we have a, an American kid, Eaton, from Carolina. Oh, so and much he's, yeah, he's pretty good. He can, <laughs> he can throw the ball forward. Yeah. yeah. All right. Ronan's here as well. Ronan. Chair. You are not dressed for the show this week. What's going what, you You've got no Ravens gear on. I, I mean. It was a preemptive strike last week. I did say I had a bad feeling about it, and that was borne out, sadly. In, in their hour of need, you have abandoned them. No, never. It's better to have loved and lost, Chair. Absolutely. I agree with that. But no gear, no like commiserations, no. Well, my Lamar Jackson jersey's still over there. MVP. First, first MVP award from Lamar Jackson, of Benny. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see just um, who is the best quarterback in football, because he might not, he, I mean, after last weekend, he might not be the best quarterback in football. We'll get to that, right? We will get to that. You want to talk about uh, Stein, sign stealing, Kian? A lot of people probably don't have a clue what you're talking about. So very quickly, the Houston Astros are cheats. Yeah, like I'm not a baseball fan either, but this story is insane. So they won the World Series in 2017, and they did so with this massive split from Jose Altuve, who's their their star player, who was incredibly good at home and really, really bad away from home. And then they found out they were cheating at home, and they were cheating by putting a buzzer on his shoulder that would tell him when the ball was coming and where the ball was going. So he was able to hit the ball. And he actually hits, I think it's a game-winning, it might be the series-winning home run, and he's running to the to the end, the final, the home run, at the, the final base, and he's hogging his jersey, holding his jersey, giving out to his teammates. And he's saying, don't pull my shirt off. Don't pull my shirt off because everyone will see that they were cheating. None of his teammates even realize. It's, it's, it's madness. It's, it's, everyone's getting banned for life. Everyone's getting fired. It's just insanity. But they didn't take the World Series from them. They let them keep the World Series. They did, which is huge. But like guys are getting fired from other teams now, which is insane. Alex Cora is the Boston Red Sox GM, who I think just got hired. And he got fired straight away because of this whole cheating thing. It's, it's phenomenal. It'd be like if we went back and found out like the Baltimore Ravens had cheated for that Super Bowl. The NFL world would just explode. I, I hope that happens. You know. Well, I, I would certainly, as a 49ers fan, you know, take take the Super Bowl. The record would be, you know, you get next to a star in your jersey, whatever. I'd be happy with that. 
Maybe Joe Flacco had a little buzzer in his, on his shoulder. What about when the 49ers conspired to have the lights shut down? What so a brilliant move that was. That's the first time in my life that somebody's cheated on my behalf, and I'm like, yeah, that's great. Go for it. <laughs> right, uh, a reminder, next Wednesday, the 22nd of January, Off the Balls American Football Show, that's us, the Snap, are going to be on the road in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Mike Carlson is coming all the way from uh, England. Mossy Quinn's coming from here in Dublin. And uh, Kian Fai's coming up all the way from Cork. Myself and Ronan are also going to be there uh, with some more special guests. So we build up to the, one of the biggest events in sporting calendar obviously at Super Bowl 54 going to be live from the NFL room at the Woolshed in Dublin for a live preview of the finale of the NFL season tickets are now officially sold out it's all in association with the Erlingers College Football Classic Navy against Notre Dame at the Aviva on the 29th of August you can check out collegefootballireland.com for game tickets and more right let's get into the pick six the pick six on off the ball Number one here. Better explain this title for those of us who are not uh, Edgar Allan Poe readers. Yeah, I was going to just recite the whole poem start to finish and that would be my whole contribution for today, but I'll spare the listeners. Quote the Ravens nevermore. This is this will probably be the last time we'll talk about the Ravens until the Super Bowl's wrapped up anyway. Because uh, Is this why you're a Ravens fan? You're an Edgar Allan Poe, secret Edgar Allan Poe? Uh, did film. you know the Ravens mascots are called Edgar Allan and Poe? No, I didn't. There you go. No, well, purple is the reason I support the Ravens. Purple is my favourite colour. It's really that simple, but... Um, no, nah, it's, it's all over, Jer. I had a bad feeling about it. The, this formula never works where you streak ahead in the regular season and then just continue it into the postseason. When does that ever happen? Um, the obvious case was the Patriots who were going undefeated and then came unstuck at the very last one. Oh, well, come on. That's a, yeah, they were okay in the... Slight dig. Um, but, you know, the Ravens aren't built to come from behind and when they fell so far behind, that was always going to be the case. Um, you look at Lamar Jackson's stats and it's so easy. All the talking heads are, are pinning on him. And it's really not his fault when you when you break it all down. Like they had nine possessions in the or in the Titans half of the field, came away with twelve points. It was just bad decision making, coaching wise. Um, the team isn't built, as I said, because the wide receiving core. It's not as if he can just look up and there's playmakers all around him and he can just fling it around. It, the whole thing just broke down. They're they're a front running team, and they need to address that next year if if they're going to go all the way. I think. Yeah, I, they're very close though, right? They're very close. I wasn't surprised by the result. It just happened in a completely different way than I thought it would happen. I thought the Titans would dominate time of possession. I thought, the, and they obviously did run the ball, but they ran it a lot easier than they probably expected. So mm. they didn't chew up a huge amount of clock. I thought the Ravens' play calling kind of panicked a bit. Like they, from the second they went down, they started calling the play as if it was four minutes left in the fourth quarter, rather than we have a lot of time to get this back. You've the best kicker in football. He's the best quarterback in football. The best kicker in football. Just. Just keep kicking those field goals in the first half. Yeah. Like he, he, instead of those four downs from the halfway line, like he's actually probably going to score from there. I, like I, I, I'm a big fan of going for them four down and then not like after the fact criticizing the team for doing it. But at the same time, you do have an excellent kicker. It's not like you're taking any sort of a risk there. Take the points. I yeah. think it, it, the Ravens have built their season on going for it in fourth down, so they can't turn around now and be criticized for it really because this is what's got them here. Um, so I wouldn't criticize them overly for that. It's just more. It's kind of a problem of their own making that they just haven't found themselves in these situations before and much like last year when they fell behind they had no remedy for it. Was it a cornerback or safety that came out afterwards and said they choked and that that's the, that's the identity of the team at the moment? Yeah, I was a bit disappointed by the body language even when they fell behind. It wasn't like the Chiefs who were bowling around their sideline thinking we're going to come back, this is no problem. It was the Mahomes Ravens. who was doing that. There was definitely a few people Mahomes was talking to who were like, 
shut up, you know, look, kid, this has gone from his hair. And he's like, no, what are you talking about? Mm. The thing about right. Yeah, the thing about leadership is, like, you know, th those players have rallied around uh, Lamar Jackson all season and they've fed off him. When he started looking nervous, when he started feeling the pressure, everyone else is going to feed into that as well. Yeah, there was nothing coming back. Um, okay, Keen, what did you make of that? Because I know you've um, done a deep dive on uh, Lamar actually not being, as Ronan says, the, the cause of the defeat. He actually played quite well, even in defeat. Yeah, first of all, they like the idea of us slowly stealing the football show's graphics and sounds and starting a beat so we can fight over the football uh, term. But, um, no, I, I think that game, like, Lamar had, what, 500 total yards? He obviously had mistakes. He had that fumble, which, which was very costly. The first interception of the game, I think, was on him, even though they wanted to put it on Mark Andrews. That ball was a little bit high. Overall, like, you, you look at some of the plays he made, some of the plays he made were phenomenal. That drive before the end of the second quarter was one of the best drives of the year from any quarterback. He made a couple of phenomenal plays to throw to Marquis, uh, to was it Mike, uh, Seth Roberts initially, that cut between two of his own defenders, and then he hit Marquise Brown. And the really the problem there was it was just 11 seconds left, so they ran out of time to actually go and score and get a touchdown. For me, this is, this is the game I feared for the Ravens all season long for two reasons. Everyone wants to talk about going for it in fourth down all the time, and the argument for going for it in fourth down is if you get... 40% of them or whatever the numbers are, it's better than uh, punting and getting 60, 70% of whatever you're getting. It, it's the argument of selling the, the, the taking more trees in basketball. And the, it, the idea of it is that you, you overall, over a, a full season, the numbers work in your favor. But the problem is in the NFL, when games are so short and when the season is so short, you can get trapped on the wrong side of regression very easily and your season can be over. And that's what happened to John Harbaugh. He, he missed out on both fourth downs, and then the third fourth down at the end of the game, which made him go zero for three, which ultimately was the, the deciding moment of the game. To me, you can never go for it against that Titans team on your own 45, on your own 43, whatever it was, uh, when you're already down seven early in the first quarter. Because if they get up 14, they just have no reason to pass the ball, and that's kind of what happened. And then defensively, coaching, like this was my big concern all week, where the style of the Titans was, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. And the style of Mar Don Martindale, the defensive coordinator there is, I'm going to blitz the hell out of everything, every chance I get. And that's what they did. Like Earl Thomas spent so much of that game near the line of scrimmage when he never should have. He should have been back in coverage. And that just set Derrick Henry up to break one tackle and then break off a 20-yard run, break one tackle and break off a 60-yard run. And he just played the complete wrong game plan. Everybody's watched that this week. Is there is there a template? Is there an easy template to defend Derrick Henry? Not really, because the Chiefs already played the Titans this season. They Chris Jones, one of the best run stoppers in football, and he went for 180 yards and two touchdowns. So, I'm not sure the formula is there. So, what would you be doing if you're game planning for this Titans team? Is it just get up early so they have to throw the ball? You have to get up early. Was it 15 completions total for Tannehill in the playoffs? Like, I mean, some nice ones though. Yeah, some nice ones, and the, the touchdowns were lovely. Yeah. Um, they were really good, but I think there's a lesson to be learned there from, like we've said we said with the Patriots, if the Patriots got up, the Titans weren't going to win. We said with the Ravens, if the Ravens got up, the Titans were going to win. Can the Chiefs fall into a hole like they did last week again? I don't think they can, because Bill O'Brien is not coaching the Titans. So Yeah, and they actually can control the game. Um, okay, well let's move on to number two, which is uh, rolling with my homies. Yeah, he was special last week. As we said, like it was as much psychological as it was the unbelievable play calling, just the... The little pass, the, the kind of... Where you dropped run, out of bounds. Where, where, no, the, the bit where he, like his, he, he drags his toe to make sure he's not crossing the plane for the line of scrimmage and then mm. just 
Fexit to uh, Travis Kelsey, oh, yeah. who is just in the end zone. Yeah. Like that was the bit where this is game over. I mean, I, I think that might have been the one to put them ahead, or might have been the one to draw them lever, or close enough to it. You're like it's over because this guy can do anything. But also the one where he's scrambling right and he just drops the ball as he's going out of bounds. It just shows how locked in he was. It's like he knew exactly where he was yeah. in the field. It's just it was just a cool play. Um, but he's just a special player. And we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago when Keane broke down him versus Lamar. Like there's just a bit more convention about Mahomes. Like when he fell behind, he was able to just stand in the pocket and, and deliver in a way that Lamar's probably not quite ready to do. And he was just, as I said, special last week. Yeah, I wouldn't be even thinking of playing zone against Mahomes because he'll just sit there and pick you off. He'll find someone in the zone. He, I don't know if Keane knows if there's any advanced metrics on this, but I don't know another quarterback who throws as many perfect spirals as Mahomes, regardless of what his body position is. You shouldn't be able to do that. You should be standing the way quarterbacks are taught to stand when they're throwing the ball. And it's just a phenomenal... like When you can score as quickly as they can, you're in every game, except maybe against a team who can control the clock the way the Titans can. So that's what's really interesting. Even the point about controlling the clock, Ian, like you can leave them very little time, but they're so quick at, uh, at moving down the field. Two passes, then it's a touchdown. Three passes, then it's a touchdown. Um, what, what can Tennessee actually do to slow down the Mahomes offense, apart from actually keeping the ball? When, when, when... <laughs> okay, that's an answer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think there's much you can do. Like, like They were down 24-0 against the Texans, and because it was the first half, I was like... Yeah, this game is like this game is basically zero zero because Mahomes can do that, and in in three minutes they had twenty seven points, was it twenty one points, whatever it was. But like the the only way the Texans stopped them early on in that game was that Kelsey had a drop, uh, Nicole Hardman had two drops, I think, uh, or sorry, actually that was uh, Demarcus Robinson had two drops. The only way you stop the Chiefs is by the Chiefs stopping themselves. And Bill O'Brien, like we haven't mentioned it in this uh, little segment so far, but Bill O'Brien. How do you explain what the LeBron did? He doesn't. He, he's going to go for it uh, in field goal range in close to the end zone. He's going to get the killer score to go 28-0 up. And then, then at that point, you kind of start thinking, yeah, there are four touchdowns ahead. We're in the second quarter. Time will start working against the Chiefs now, and they'll start pressing the game a little bit, and maybe maybe the second can actually win this. And he decides he's going for it, then takes the time out and kicks the field goal. And then on the following drive, he inexplicably fakes a punt. And like, what, what, how does that make any sense? Like he he played into the Chiefs' hands. Like obviously, stopping the Chiefs is a major, major, major challenge. But I don't think there is any game plan to stop the Chiefs. You've got to hope that Mahomes is a bad day. You've got to hope that you get a little bit of pressure on the offensive line. But it's very difficult because they've got very good offensive linemen. Even so, like the offensive linemen, the running back are the weak part of that team, and they're not anywhere close to being weak. So the Titans have to hope that they can run the ball all game. I guess I just when they go back through their last two games, I just don't think. They have enough firepower to beat this uh, to beat this Chiefs team, and I know they beat them in the regular season, but that was a very different time of the year. Mahomes had a little bit of an injury before he had his major injury, and the end of that game was insanity, where the Chiefs had a fumbled uh, kick, uh, fumbled field goal attempt. Uh, Ryan Tannehill went down the other end of the field against. We actually talk about that game in detail because the uh, the Chiefs had a complete wrong game plan on the final drive. So, and then the Chiefs went back to kick another field goal to try and tie the game and got to overtime, and it was blocked. So. The last minute of that game was insane. I think the the whole setup of the Titans' offense isn't really enough this time around, and I think the Chiefs will probably win in a similar fashion to what they just beat the Titans or to beat the Texans. We dismissed the notion of momentum last week, Jer. What about destiny? How does destiny do? For you? Ah, destiny. You can always uh, retrospectively like all the teams who are left have destiny on their and, sides. Andy Reid from that Fitzpatrick pass against the Patriots in Week 17, wasn't it? 
Um, from then, it's kind of panned out for them very nicely where they were supposed to be going to Baltimore this weekend. They're not. They're bringing the Titans in. And even though the Titans beat them this season, they're red-hot favourites. And they're gonna. this is going to be the blowout of the weekend, I think. The Titans have... Uh, have done their business for for this year, and they've been a special spe- a special case study in in sports. But they really have, yeah. They, I mean, they, we shouldn't underplay what the Titans have done. It's absolutely remarkable to get to this point. But these stories tend, I yeah. mean, it, this would be complete fairy tale stuff. Mm. Even if they score, if they have a target score, if they hit that, they're still going to the Chiefs will still outscore them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like I think Andy Reid is a phenomenal coach, but I still think we're waiting for our Andy Reid in the playoffs moment, and that might come this week. Um, I remember when they brought Tannehill into the Titans. My best mate is a Titans fan, and I, I said to him, like, look, whatever uh, Ryan Tannehill is the answer to, you're asking the wrong question, and he's completely proven me wrong. So I'm happy to hold my hands up and say I was completely wrong there. They haven't had to go to him. They haven't had to go to AJ Brown in the playoffs yet. Maybe this is what we see. Like, if if you're a Tyron Matthew, who's like one of the best defensive backs in the game, if Derrick Henry is in a close game and running at you in the fourth quarter, I'm picking Derrick Henry every time. So if it can stay close. Like I think the Titans would prefer to play the Chiefs than say the Texans because they play the Texans all the time and divisional matchups are are horrible, especially in playoffs. Um, How do you do it? Yeah. So like uh, um, Kelsey went off last week, but if 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 you have somebody who matches up to Kelsey, they still have a bunch of other people who can kill you. They absolutely do, and I think that Ronan was right. Like you need look. Like if anyone could sit here and tell you how to game plan for the Chiefs offense, they'd be making like two million a year in the NFL. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be sitting here. It's really hard. You need them to. Have, you need Tyreek Hill to Tyreek Hill to like pull up with injury. You need Travis Kelsey to have a bad day, have drops. You need special teams fluke like the like, uh, Texans like got. Texans got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need all of those things, and like whereas there was a game plan to beat the Ravens and like a lot of people outlined you know you, you commit to the vending the edge but not too much and things like that game plan doesn't exist for the Chiefs you just have to hope they have a bad day on offence Is the Titans secondary good enough I don't know enough about it to to keep Tyreek Hill and like Sammy Watkins looked okay in a, for about three minutes last week I, not a great QB it turns out Yeah I, I don't I, I just don't think that there's if you go by matchup by matchup, you can't give the Titans a chance. It's something bigger than that. It's it. You just need the Chiefs to have a bad day. I'm momentum, not saying momentum. It's not definitely not momentum because it doesn't exist. But like <laughs> yeah, the, it it could be destiny, which may exist. An, an article of faith that we uh, we just have to have some faith in the Titans. Can, go on, can, yeah. can I can we go back to uh, what Ronan said there? Because Ronan said uh, what was the the benchmark of points they need to hit or whatever way you word it. What would you think the benchmark of points would need to be for the Titans to win this game? Because if you say to me. Uh, the Titans are going to score 36 points. I'll still say, yeah, Titans yeah. could probably beat that. It's not enough. Uh, but I think it's more likely the Titans win if they score 28 points. And it, they're hoping that the, the Chiefs are stuck on 24. Like, yeah. I think it's going to be a low scoring if the Titans win. It's one, yeah, it's one of those tried things where either the Titans are going to win by a point or they're going to lose by 25. Yeah. That the Titans have four eight-minute drives and two others and it's maybe 31 yeah, that they y- get. You hope that the Chiefs miss a field goal or something, you know, and that's the difference between the teams. Yeah, or, like, yeah. At this stage, Mahomes looks like the most likely winner of the whole thing. Uh, number three, you can, you can read this one for us here, Ronan. Sweet. Carol Nine. You can talk to me about this, Jerry. Well, what was that like? That was a very seamless progression into the championship game. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was Amazing as soon as they got rid of a Keller Witherspoon. I, I kind of quite like a Keller Witherspoon, um, but Jesus, that was pretty, that was pretty <laughs> bad. He was getting like bullied on national TV. I'm like, oh God. Uh, but once that was over, they didn't kill them in the first half when they had the chance to kill them. I was like, that's a little bit conservative. But there was so much comfort. It was just the, 
when a team runs the ball like that, when it's great to it's great for to support a team who are really good for mm. change. Like in, for the first time in my life, I'm like, wow, this is what it's like to be a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan or whatever uh, in their glory days, and that was very nice. It's refreshing as well. I presume that it wasn't. This wasn't foreseen. It's like obviously they were building something with Shannon and Garoppolo that the whole bit, but they weren't pe- pegged for the su- or for the playoffs at all. And they, here had they, been, they had been this, they had been preseason last year, and mm. then Jimmy G's injury, mm. and everyone was like, "Oh, the team's terrible." But then they really weren't terrible, and they got Bosa and they got D Ford, and suddenly their defense is really, really scary. And that defense, we've talked about the importance of your team being fully fit at this time of the year. They're fully fit apart from their center at this point. Really, he's the only one. There's a, another nose tackle who they're missing as well, but mm. that's it. Mm. Everybody else is actually fit yeah. and the difference that makes. And they've For got that defence combined with like one of the best offensive minds to ever coach the game as well and like that's a, some combination to have so I think what you're seeing is they're protecting Jimmy G they're not he's he's prone to having a you know a, a brain fart at any particular moment but they're they're trying to reduce the risk of that with the offence that they're calling um, and I think that's really interesting especially when they're dominating so much on defence as well he's not needed to do much in games. No. Juan Keane you were going to say something there? Um, I, I, that game to me was kind of fascinating in the sense that the 49ers, like I, I, I praised Jimmy Garoppolo recently saying that he's been uh, much better than usual, but it felt like the 49ers were like a better version of the Vikings, a further along version of the Vikings. Like they both rely on the running game, but the 49ers running game is a bit more dynamic, a bit more diverse. They both have great defenses, but the Vikings defense is a bit more straightforward and not as good laterally, where the, whereas the 49ers defense can move in any different direction. And then you saw both quarterbacks kind of struggling a little bit. And my kind of, the way, I think there's two ways to look at this. With Garoppolo, you either have signs that he's going to keep making mistakes and that will give the Packers a chance this weekend. Or you can say he kind of got those out of the way and he'll have another good game this week because he's kind of been that way where one week he makes mistakes and the next week he's completely clean. So I'm kind of fascinated by this matchup. And if you had told me this a few weeks ago that we were getting the 49ers and the Packers in the championship game, I'd have said, oh, the 49ers are going to easily win that game. But then I went back and watched the regular season game, and it was a little bit of a funny game. Like the first drive starts with a fumble and a, a strip sack, and that gives the 49ers an easy touchdown. The second drive ends because Geronimo Allison drops a uh, third down pass. Third drive is similar again. You, you, they went to Jamal Williams for some reason. They kept throwing the ball to him only. Uh, so I, I think there's a lot the Packers can fix from the regular season matchup and make this actually a close, exciting game. Well, let's move on to number four then, because it is return of the pack. And, and um, when, when you were talking about how it must have been great to watch. That first quarter where um, there, is def- there is pressure coming from the Vikings, there was a, a third down that Kendrick Bourne makes a diving catch on a, a pass that's tipped. If he doesn't make that, then that drive stops, and that's the drive I think they scored touchdown on. Like, there was a few early moments. The game's a blowout at the end. Mm. The game's not a blowout at the start. And I think the point you're making there about the... Packers game, Keen is, is very well made because the Packers actually have their first choice tackles both fit, fully fit this time in a way that they didn't have for the first game. So all of a sudden you've got a cleaner pocket for a QB who's cresting to his best again in yeah. Aaron Rodgers is an all-time great. You're not going to believe this, Jerry. Aaron Rodgers. The 49ers passed up a chance to no draft way. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Who did they pick instead? And he, he grew up in Northern California. No so way. this is, I don't know, it's incredible. Um, I mean, it was a stupid decision. Possibly. Let's face it. Alex Smith, or he probably had it just enough, good enough Career that it wasn't no, was an no. abysmal decision, but it was it was an abysmal decision. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It took it took Jim Harbaugh to rescue Alex Smith. Up to that point, he'd been a complete bust. I think it was three seasons mm-hmm. or four seasons. And then Jim Harbaugh ultimately decided, no, we're not going to move on from this guy as well. But uh, as you said, he's he's improved and he's getting back to close to his best anyway. And 
the key issue is that he, they're not overly relying on him anymore. Like even on defense, they're a little bit better at rushing the pass, so he's not under as much pressure to score in every every possession. And then Aaron Jones is is fantastic, and Devante Adams is a proper playmaker for him now. He never seems to be 100% healthy, but he does now. Yeah, and it's making all the difference. This feels like though it's it's a game where they need a receiver other than Devante Adams to kind of make the plays. They've done that consistently in the playoffs. They've found a second receiver who's kind of come in and, and, and done a job for them. I think the Alex Light, who, Alex Light who played tackle in the first game was showing up. He was embarrassed. Like So that's going to be different this time around yeah. in terms of that. I do think it's interesting though that two of the Packers losses this season come on West Coast games. And I don't know whether that, like, I'm not a huge, like, unless it's a 6 p.m. Irish time kickoff, I don't know how much of a difference it actually makes, but it is worth noting that two of their three losses do come on. And they were the hammered by the yeah, Chargers. They were, yeah. yeah. Like, they're either winning close I games. I mean, I'm pinning a lot of hopes on this, yeah. so. <laughs> and that game at the weekend was typical of their season where they seemed to play well for a little while and then the coast. So they're not going to get away with that this weekend. They're going to have to play well in all four quarters yeah. to, to get the win. I feel like they're the worst 14-3 and three at this stage team that I've seen in a while. Like I feel like they should have lost more games than they've lost. They've benefited from some nice officiating. They've benefited from like big plays like at the end to kill games off. But I don't feel like it's a great Packers team at all. So I'm, I'm definitely in two minds about that, right? Because that either shows that they're the old Manchester United 1999 where they're beating bad teams just about but then you go on this roll of like we have confidence and everybody gets better and you know that you're actually Momentum. no you know that you're actually capable of winning tight games yeah. as opposed to well it's the argument that Liverpool haven't played well this season and they're like dominating the Premier League like no team has ever done so. yeah. yeah so do you do you get a benefit from that do you, does the team's confidence begin to grow and they take risks that they wouldn't have taken three or four weeks ago and those risks pay off because actually they're better and yeah, confidence maybe but then the wrinkle in this is that obviously Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shannon have massive history together like he's worked with Shannon for eight of his seasons in the league like they know each other's playbook inside out I think Mike LaFleur Matt's brother works for as an assistant coach with the yeah. 49ers as yeah. well so all that stuff is really fascinating I think as well in terms of will they cancel each other out in this because they just know each other so well yeah and yet I like I feel relatively confident that it is going to be a, a victory for the 49ers Keen on the back of the defensive performance that um, that Bosa put in, that De Ford put in, that Armstead and Buckner put in, that even Solomon Thomas was coming off the bench and giving a bit of relief when they needed it, that that defence is as good and is performing at, at this level, at this point in the championship, is as good as anything that we've seen in a long time. I'm not used to you being confident about the 49ers, Jer, so uh, that's not a good sign for them. Um, I, I don't... I think the defense was particularly outstanding last week. I think it was a matchup issue where the Vikings' uh, offensive line is awful and Kirk Cousins missed a bunch of open receivers like Kirk Cousins does because that's who he is, which is where you come back to this game. It's similar to, it's a better version of, but it's similar to the Texans-Bills game from wildcard round where you have one team that's kind of worse in every single area except a quarterback where there is a monstrous gap between the quarterbacks. And I think Kendrick Bourne's performance last week was kind of indicative of what's important in this game because Kendrick Bourne had one drop early in the game but then caught a couple of key plays and made, made the important plays that helped them push their way towards victory. Whereas in the Green Bay game, and as has been the case all season long, all they've got is Devontae Adams. Like last week, Jimmy Graham had three catches and they were, like one was the, the final catch of the game that set up, uh, gave him the first down run of the clock and one was a, a big play on the scene when Aaron Rodgers made a perfect throw. And I think, did he catch a touchdown as well? Either way, he, he had a couple of relatively big plays, but you don't get that from Jimmy Graham very often. 
and then the other receivers there, they're either not getting open or they're dropping passes. And the, they've been in the same positions all season long because they haven't been able to replace them. So to me, this game is more about the difference between the 49ers' depth versus the Packers' overall length on their top stars. The problem for the 49ers is you might not be able to contain Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams the way you did Stephon Diggs, Alvin Cook, and the rest of the Vikings pieces because it's a little bit tougher when you've got a quarterback on Aaron Rodgers' level. And one of the things we haven't mentioned yet is Aaron Rodgers last week was incredible. He, he had one of his best performances of the season, and they needed that to beat the Seahawks which is probably a bad sign for them. But if they get that again this week, they have every single chance of beating the 49ers. Their season feels a little bit like the Seahawks season in that they they won a, a bunch of close games. And and I, I was actually thinking that the, 49, the, the Seahawks were going to beat them on the back of the fact that um, they kind of had found some form of identity. But that was just wrong in the end. Um, so I, like that, the doubt is, of course, that they have um, the best quarterback and it's going to be him versus Mahomes. If that's the narrative in the final, he needs his second to cement his place in greatness. And Mahomes and Andy Reid need their first Super Bowl to begin their ascent to greatness. So whatever. Yeah, the, the other thing I would mention as well, though, is if we go back to that regular season matchup again, the Packers defense is not overwhelmed by this 49ers offense or its play designs at all. They were very comfortable in that game. The problem in that game was the Packers' offense couldn't sustain any drives, and eventually the pressure just got just overwhelmed them. So it's kind of a fascinating matchup. Yeah, I did. I'm not. I don't remember though. Did the either of the tackles, the 49ers tackles, weren't playing at that stage? I think both Staley and McGlinchey were out for that game. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a big change to be honest with the way those guys have played. They're playing really well. They're playing like so. McGlinchey wasn't great his first game back, but sorry, both of them weren't great. Staley either weren't great their first game back, but they've been brilliant, particularly in the run game. So, I, like, I don't know how. Kyle Shannon's going to play this. I think it's worth mentioning that like the Vikings are the best team in the NFL against the tight end. So George Kittle was mostly in a run blocking role, and he did that really well last week. I think we're going to see him. Like, this could be the George Kittle game. I think if the the Forty Niners go on to win it. Yeah, uh, and I think he did like one hundred and thirty yards against him the last time, or, yeah. or something similar. So, pick the game for me. Well, Chiefs and Forty Niners, Titans and Forty ers Right, that'll be some Super Bowl. Kian, pick the games for me. Chiefs backers. Chiefs Packers and uh, are the Packers going to they're winning on the back of the shoulders of this quarterback who is deciding that he was worthy of his place in the top 12 quarterbacks of all time they're winning on the back of one that came to be fun if I pick the Packers it'll be more fun to watch <laughs> right okay fair enough two last pieces for you on our pick six this week uh, extraordinary Joe this is the story of Joe Burrow who it turns out is as good as everybody good as advertised you stayed up to watch this game I did yeah uh, it looked bad for him when they went three and out the first three drives but then he just turned it around and turned into the player we've seen the last like, all season really like again it comes with the, the caveat he is two number one NFL wide receivers playing for him but he throws perfect passes like I mean some of the balls he, he just lands in the perfect position anywhere else and it's, it's it's an interception or it's an incompletion it's just straight into the receiver's hands it's it's really good to watch actually so if anybody missed it uh, it finished 42-25 for the LSU Tigers against the uh, Clemson also Tigers in the college football playoff national championship game and then um, OBJ handing out fake cash he says not real hundred dollar bills and uh, smacking the arse of a cop and uh, warrant there for his arrest last I heard yeah well, in terms of Joe Burrow, like if you're playing Joe Burrow bingo on a weekly basis, the Tom Brady mentions are going up exponentially. So he's getting compared to him week on week. And it's more a mechanical thing. But if you actually go back and look at their careers, they're, they're quite similar in terms of Joe Burrow wasn't exactly pegged from the get-go as this unbelievable number one pick. Like, in fact, this time last year probably wasn't a dra like drafted at all almost. So he's gone 
won every game this year. He was phenomenal in that game at, uh, on Monday night. So the Bengals fans should be very excited and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him in, in the AFC North. Threw for five and rushed for one touchdown. Yeah. He was, I think he was even better in the, the semi-final than he was in the, the semi-final national was over by halftime with seven yeah. first half touchdowns was yeah. that, that, that one so um, I mean if you're a Bengals fan you're like this is amazing and an Ohio boy who went to Ohio State got bombed out didn't get past the backup position went to LSU and has obviously lit it up is probably going back to Ohio so for narrative fans it's a, it's a great narrative that is pretty good and so Trevor Lawrence is the QB of Clemson right? he'll be there he'll be number one pick next year more than likely how was he? He was okay. I mean, it's his first career loss as a college quarterback. So, like, but he looked, like, he looked like he panicked to me a lot of times on some of his throws, which is strange, as I said, because he's gone undefeated in his career and won a national title already. Um, but it was just LSU were just so good. He could have been brilliant, and it still wouldn't have looked good beside Burrow. Yeah, um, he is going to be a good NFL QB. Functional, right? Okay, not. I don't know if he's great, but like, he's, yeah. I love Lawrence. I know, but we fall in love with these guys and they're playing against like players who'll never play football again. Mm. And so it's really hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Um like to me, Joe Burrow feels like Andrew Luck. Um it feels like that kind of okay, he you can be pretty sure. Right. Trevor Lawrence doesn't feel like that. Okay. American football and off the ball, the snap is brought to you in association with the Erlingus College Football Classic Navy versus Notre Dame at the Aviva Stadium on the 29th of August. Check out collegefootballireland.com for game tickets and more. And the last one we've got to talk about here is Luke Keekley who, uh, so it's Luke out, uh, he issued a statement, um, a, a video where he, he couldn't, he was still so emotional making the announcement on mm. the pre-recorded video that he was in tears. So this is not a decision that he wanted to make at 28 to step away from the game. I feel like every time I watched the Panthers, Luke Keekley had a concussion. So I think it's a really good decision for him. I think we're going to see it more and more. We saw it obviously with Andrew Luck retiring. Even Gronkowski retired earlier than probably most people expected. I think it's no harm. I tweeted the other day that I'd much rather my star player retired at 28 and had a really good quality of life yeah. than just played on until 38 and was dead at 50. So I'd much rather that. Yeah, and on the positive, like he's a nailed on Hall of Famer, like five, five-time All-Pro, seven Pro Bowls in eight years. Somebody did ask Andrew Luck about that, like, you know, you're giving up your place in the Hall of Fame. I mean, maybe he wasn't guaranteed, maybe he was guaranteed another three or four seasons of that. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I don't care. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think what was great about Keekley was he completely reinvented the linebacker position. Everyone said linebacker was done, it wasn't important anymore. It was pass rush and it was defensive backs. And But then he, because of how good he was in coverage, he reinvented that position. Now you're seeing that in college with the type of players that are coming through. They can all defend the pass as much as they run. Yeah, it's a generational thing as well where players who wanted to make this decision 10, 20, 30 years ago couldn't because they didn't have the money to do it. These guys, the likes of Luck and Keekley, have made enough money where they can put their health first. And the NFL are going to have to address this if they're going to start losing star players on the regular. That can't happen. That's not sustainable. Yeah, I wonder if things have actually even improved. You would hope that they have improved from, when did they enter? 2012? Mm. So, so in that period of time, have they got better at diagnosing concussions? And well, Carson Wentz last week putting himself up, electing that he, he thought he had a concussion and he took himself out of the game almost. So yeah. you need to see that more of that. I think the new collective bargaining agreement, whenever it's hashed out, like the last one absolutely screwed rookies. It meant that they weren't getting that money early on. So yeah. it forced them into the second, con it's the guys on the second contract that can afford to retire. Maybe the new CBA is is pushed more towards rookies again. I think he'd left 20 million on the table, uh, Keekley. Keen, do you have anything to add to the Luke Keekley chat? Um, I, I don't think this should be a surprise to people. Um, look, I know he's a superstar. I know he's one of the top-line faces of the league type of players. But uh, he's, he's had basically the same career as Patrick Willis. He's had basically the same career as Navarro Bowman. He's had the same career as pretty much most linebackers in front of him because 
Linebackers are the running backs of the defense. They don't have long careers. Ray Lewis, James Farrier, Bobby Wagner, I guess, at this stage. These guys are all the exceptions. They play into their 30s. Most, most players don't reach that, 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 that time period because you're in collisions constantly. Like you're the other side of those hits that the running back uh, is taking and, and getting his career shortened all the time. So it has to have the same effect on you. In terms of Kukli as an uh, individual, in terms of his specific career, we saw him crying after a concussion a couple of years ago. We've seen him get concussed a few times. This was very much anticipated. This was not one of these major shock retirements. And he comes at a perfect time because the Panthers just heard Matt Rule. They have a completely different direction they've got to go in this year. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Cam Newton. But regardless of what to do with Newton, it's going to be a full-on rebuild there because they don't have the pieces to make a quick turnaround. So Cooper probably looked at this and said, I'm 28, I've got my money, I don't really need to play on a bad team again for the next couple of years. Maybe I want to only have played for the Panthers, I'm going to retire. So overall, I, I think like there's a problem for the league that players are retiring, but the, the league itself is built on destroying people's bodies. So it's not really something we can say is ever going to change or something we can change the rules and protect these guys into a necessary byproduct in the sport. Yeah, linebacker seems like it's a particularly violent part of the field as well because you've got the pace and the power you know, in the, in the trenches, obviously, massive power of a very short explosion, but they're But, full. like, literally, literally, your your specific job at times is to run into a wall and blow it up, a wall of bodies. And these are incredible NFL athletes, so you're going to get, like, hurt no matter what. Yeah, the, the um, there was a play by Jimmy Ward last week where uh, a deep ball got thrown, and he makes up about 40 yards and just kills somebody. Yeah. Like... Oh, and, Stefan Diggs, yeah. Yeah, and um, that, was, that was an amazing play of athleticism but the power with which that final five oof. yeah I don't think you should ever take for granted what you, these people are putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment for the most part but like there's obviously a huge amount of skill involved but as, as Keane said like it's you know if a wide receiver is hit by a defensive back coming at speed it's like being hit by a car but this is two cars coming together like, yeah. and that's where the real damage happens and that's where momentum is real. It's a physical <laughs> thing. The actual. It's not even. It's not even linebackers either, though, because you can look at a uh, Cam Chancellor just have to retire early as well. And you'll probably hear Cam Chancellor, and you think of either that hit against Anquan Bolden in the 49ers camp, uh, championship game, or one of the other hits he made throughout his career. He spent six years just murdering people on the field. So, like you, you, this is a necessary thing. And for Cookley, I think it's being made into. This massive uh, surprise. I just, I, I kind of, I don't really get that. I think it's because he's 28. He's so dynamic. He's been so brilliant, and there's definitely four years left for any 28-year-old in any sport if things are, are going okay. If he hadn't had the concussions, he would still be playing. That's the thing. I think that's why it's a surprise. And maybe it's not a surprise, but it certainly it brings into sharp relief just how dangerous the sport is and how they're going to, if they want the stars to continue playing. If you want Andrew, you do. You the NFL will be better with Andrew Luck and with Rob Gronkowski and with Luke Keekley next season. And they could all be playing if somehow there was, I don't know, maybe not... The only, the only option you have there is to take away helmets and have form tackling and make it more like rugby. But that's a very difficult thing to do because then suddenly passing over the middle of the field becomes uncontested. It becomes too easy. Yeah. The, the no helmets, the leather helmets might be the return of the leather, leather helmets. helmets yeah. yeah, all right, lads, great to have you all with us this week. Uh, enjoy it. I hope you're completely wrong, Keen, your prediction, but sure, we'll see. Uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed around about um, five o'clock on Monday morning, I think, mm-hmm. is uh, the game is slated to finish. Uh, if you're staying up, then um, get involved in the Twitter exchanges that we'll all be on. That is this week's edition of the Snap. American football coverage and off the ball is in association with the Erlingus Football 
Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Check out College Football Ireland for more. We'll see you next week. Best of luck.